welcome everyone to a wolf den an edition of the reynolds hot box podcast focusing on the latest in wolfpack sports i am your host jack sabin here to take you through everything wolfpack basketball related for the rest of the year in today's episode we're going to be going over unr's electric win over sdsu quickly looking ahead at the revenge game against new mexico and then taking a bit of a deeper dive into where UNR currently is within both the Mountain West and the March Madness Tournament. But of course, we have to start with that insane game Friday night. And if for some reason you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about UNR's win against San Diego State that, again, happened on Friday night. It was a sellout crowd. And it was announced that it was the sixth largest in Lawler history, the sixth largest crowd ever brought in at Lawler, which was crazy that that I got to be a part of that. The atmosphere was electric the entire game, and it ended up playing a huge part in UNR's 70-66 win over the Aztecs. The court ended up being stormed, unsurprisingly, kind of was a bit of a slower court storming. It looked like people were kind of hesitant to do it, and then, like, one group of kids did it, and then that just sort of unleashed the gates quite literally. And I ended up storming the court, and a couple of the players were even moshing with some of the fans. I ended up being a part of that. I couldn't quite make out who I was moshing with, but there were definitely a couple players moshing on the court after just crazy game the players were digging the energy the fans were nonstop electric and it made for one of the more exciting atmospheres that I've got to be a part of in my time here at UNR but on the actual basketball side of things UNR for the most part held the lead for a majority of the game I wouldn't really ever go as far as to say as they dominated. They It never seemed like they got the lead like past six or eight points. And SDSU was just kind of constantly staying in the game a little bit and keeping it close and seemed like they were priming to make a big run and eventually take the life out of this UNR team. But that never quite happened, and UNR was able to hold on. SDSU did take a lead with about under five minutes left, but the pack ended up staying strong. Nick Davidson came up with a huge rebound after a Keenan Blackshear missed mid-range shot for what looked to be the game-tying shot. Missed it. Nick Davidson, huge rebound, goes up strong, makes the shot and the foul. Unfortunately, does miss a free throw, which is an issue that I'll go into in a little bit, but did do a good enough job to grab the rebound and make the shot, ultimately forcing overtime. And overtime really just turned into the Keenan Blackshear show. Um, He finished with 22 points. Eight of them occurred in overtime. And he really just kind of took over when this Wolfpack team needed it most. Everyone was tired on both sides. Guys had fouled out. And UNR kind of needed somebody to take the mantle in overtime and get them a bucket when they needed it. And that's exactly what Keenan Blackshear did. It was overall a really solid night for Keenan Blackshear. Excuse me. 
Um, he ended up finishing as the leading scorer across both teams. But, you know, he wasn't perfect, and he, his free throw shooting was absolutely atrocious, and so was pretty much the entirety of UNR's free throw shooting was atrocious on Friday night. But Keenan Blackshear was definitely at the forefront of it. You know, I'll give him his flowers. He balled out when we needed it. He made the clutch shots when we needed it in overtime and even down the stretch late in the game in regulation. But, man, 6 six of 12 from the free throw line as a you know guard who's trying to get to the rim and seems to predicate his game around drawing fouls, you're going to want to look to maybe start hitting free throws at a bit of a higher clip than that. Because there's not going to be a lot of games, especially against good teams, where you're going to shoot 19 of 32 from the line and end up winning. I mean, the only saving grace for UNR was that SDSU seemed to be on a bit of an off night. But the free throw shooting still does need to be improved. This is a game that was obviously close, but could have been put away a lot earlier if UNR was hitting their free throws at an even respectable rate at that. Didn't even need to be an elite or great rate. As long as they were hitting at a competent rate, they could have put this SDSU team a lot earlier and in much easier fashion. But it wasn't just Keaton Blackshear. It was a great team win all around. Jared Lucas ended with 15 points. Started off really hot, making the two straight threes right off the rip to give UNR an early 6-0 lead and it kind of looked like it was maybe going to be a Jared Lucas takeover game, but he kind of cooled off a little bit after that, but never really got too far outside of his game. Finished 4 of 9, so he didn't at least thankfully start getting too shot happy. Kind of took what came to him. He was decent from the free throw line, was really the only one it seemed like who was. But he overall didn't play great, didn't play horrible, played good enough to win and actually had a solid night defensively as well. Uh, Nick Davidson also continues to play good basketball. Um, it wasn't his you know, 20-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, three threes type game that we've seen the last two games, but he still finished with 14 points, five rebounds, and was also really solid on the defensive end, holding it down low all night with K.J. Himes. Daniel Foster, I um, haven't talked about him a whole, whole lot here, but he had a huge impact on this game. Um, it wasn't a game that was necessarily shown on the stat sheet. You know, when you look at his stat sheet after the game on the box score, it doesn't look like anything really jumps out at you. But when watching that game, he was just – it seemed like he was in the right spot at the, all the right times. He was making the right pass and was taking the right shots. He ended up finishing with only two points, but he was crucial on the glass, bringing down six rebounds, and also was making some really impressive passes. There was a couple he made specifically to Nick Davidson that were really nice and created some really easy buckets. He finished with four assists overall, Daniel Foster, that is. So, yeah, I mean, a game that didn't really jump out on the stat sheet, but you know, he did a lot on the defensive end, too in terms of making life difficult for that SDSU team and played his role really well offensively, and it definitely played a big part in UNR securing that gritty win on Friday night. But, I mean, you know, the real 
the real star of that show on Friday night, and it has been for the past couple games, and it's what should be the star for this UNR team, and it's this defense. I mean, a game finishing 70-66 to that went into overtime should pretty much tell you all you need to know about how good the defenses were. I mean, obviously, the offensive effort from both teams wasn't great, and scoring just wasn't in high commodity on Friday night. But part of that was also just because of how good the defenses were, and specifically this UNR defense. I mean, it was going into this game, it was supposed to be a defensive battle. I mean, these were two of the top defenses in the Mountain West, and overall two of some of the top defenses in the entire nation. And so you knew that scoring was going to be a rarity and that you were going to have to work for every single bucket that you got. And that was pretty much put on full display all night. I mean, neither team was really ever able to get into a rhythm. There weren't a whole lot of runs. And if there were runs, they were like 4-5-0 runs, which you probably can't even really classify as a run because neither team's defense really allowed for the other team to make consecutive shots in a row. And it ended up playing into UNR's favors. They just slightly had the edge on that defensive end. They won the rebounding battle too. And it just really helped them out and being able to limit a really strong SDSU offense that was highlighted going into this game. Um, A big part of the UNR defensive effort was you know, the amount of steals that we had and the amount of turnovers we were able to force. Um, Blackshear and Coleman both had a pair of steals, and Coleman had a couple really big steals down the stretch of this game. And um, Rollison also had a couple steals. He was another guy who didn't show up on the statue a lot, but also had a really solid game when you were just kind of watching. He had a couple steals as well, and overall had a really good defensive game, all things considered and was really just a pest for SDSU guards on Friday night. And that effort, in terms of the steals, it allowed UNR to get out in transition more often than SDSU, and it allowed them to find just a few more easier looks because that was really the only way that you were going to get easy looks against this SDSU defense. That is getting steals, getting out in transition, and not really allowing them to get set up in that defense. You do that, you have a chance to get some easy buckets, which aren't going to be easy to come by against this defense. And so UNR was able to do that, and it proved them well. Um, I also highlighted the rebounding and how important that was. Um, In the first matchup that SDSU won, they had a 44-25 to 25 advantage on the glass, SDSU that is, and they also dominated the offensive glass as well. But on Friday night, UNR held the slight edge at 34-32. to 32. But even more importantly, they dominated the offensive glass at 11-6. to 6. And along with getting buckets in transition, they were also able to get a lot of second-chance points off offensive rebounds. And those in turn also were able to create somewhat easier looks as You know, some Aztecs players are out of position, trying themselves to get out in transition. And obviously, that played in our favor with the amount of offensive rebounds we were were able to grab. And guys were able to make the right pass, and it allowed for some possessions that looked like they weren't going to turn into anything 
to turn it into points. And in this game, I mean, literally every single point mattered. I mean, yeah, the SDSU coach, Brian Dutcher, he even came out and admitted to it about how just painful it was to see UNR grab offensive rebound after offensive rebound. And he just kind of overall touched on how that was sort of the nail in the coffin for him and definitely one of the big things that gave UNR the edge in that game. Um, On the offensive side for UNR, it was far from great. I mean, they shot just 23.1% from three, but, you know, it, it ended up being just enough to hold on. And when your defense is playing at that level and they're playing at the standard that we all know this UNR defense can play up to, you give yourself a little bit of a break offensively. You allow yourself to not have the greatest shooting night and still walk out with a win. And that is what I think this UNR team is and can be so good at and is their recipe for success for beating you know, some teams that they seem like or think that they're outmatched against. It's play them physical, play them hard, trust in your defense, and give yourself a little bit of a break offensively. And we did that on Friday night, and we saw that UNR's offense didn't really fully come to play, and SDSU's defense was also just incredible. And so it led to a bad shooting night, all things considered, for UNR. But they played their ass off defensively, and as a result, they allowed themselves that break on that side of the ball and were still able to come out with a victory. And yeah, it was a it was a crazy game, all things considered. I was just lucky to be there in person. Um, if anybody listening was there, I'm sure you had a great time as well. I mean, overtime victory, just it's as good as it gets. Basically a game-winning shot, court storming. It's everything you want in college sports. It's why a lot of us go to college. We want to have a great time watching our teams do good. And, yeah, it was just so exciting to be there. And I definitely look forward to seeing more big victories, hopefully, at Lawler. But, you know, we can't we can't be on cloud nine for too long. You know, there's still basketball that needs to be played and still games that need to be played. And more specifically, New Mexico is on the horizon. And if anybody remembers a few weeks ago, they absolutely embarrassed us beating us by over 30 points. I mean, we just looked outmatched, outgunned, and, like, we didn't want to be there. But this time, we're back at Lawler with what will very likely be another sold-out or close-to sold-out crowd. I know this game's on, you know, a Tuesday, not on a Friday, but I still expect the fans to show out. I mean, New Mexico isn't ranked anymore, so it's not that ranked matchup, but... This is still a huge game for UNR and would still look really great on their schedule if they can come out with a win. New Mexico, still a really solid team. And I think being at home also gives us the advantage this time. I mean, our guys clearly just play with a little bit more of a swagger. They play with more energy. They definitely respond to the energy from the home crowd. And it definitely, I think, boosts their play a little bit. I mean, it's still not going to be easy. This New Mexico team is incredibly talented, and there's a very good reason 
why they've been near the top of the Mountain West for as long as they have. They've kind of sputtered a little bit as of late and find themselves in a, what is it, four, five-way tie? Yeah. Find themselves in a four-way tie for second place, a game behind Utah State. So New Mexico, I mean, as we know firsthand, is a very good team. They have a very deep offense with three guys averaging over 15 points. And it just kind of means that they're really deep in terms of the amount of different ways they can beat you. They don't need to rely on one guy to win a game. They have multiple different guys that they can give the ball to to get them a, a bucket whenever they need it. And it makes it really difficult to adjust as a defense because you can't there isn't just there isn't just like one guy that you can try or, or even like one or two guys that you can try and game plan around and sort of adjust for. It's like four guys who can all score in different ways. And so if you exert too much energy on one, then you're creating a mismatch for another guy who's just as likely to score as the guy you're adjusting for. And it's worked well f- for New Mexico for the most part this season. I mean, having that many guys who can score is never going to be a bad thing. And we saw in that first matchup that it just proved to be way too much for this UNR defense to handle. I trust in Steve Alford and this defense to make the adjustments that they need to. But there's definitely reason to be skeptical. I'm I'm more confident heading into this one, especially now that we're at home. But New Mexico's not going to make it easy. They're looking to get back on track and get back on top in the Mountain West. And in their eyes, UNR on the road for New Mexico is a perfect opportunity to do that. And so we just got to make sure that we're not we're not too in the clouds about this about these back-to-back wins versus ranked opponents and realize that we still have a job to do. But I, like I said at the start, I don't really need to go too much into detail with New Mexico. I've covered them a bit more heavily in the prior to UNR's first matchup against them. Really good team, a lot of different guys who can score the basketball, and it's going to be interesting to see how UNR handles it this time. Not going to be easy and would definitely be a huge win for this Wolfpack team if they can win it and stay on track. So we've talked about, you know, UNR or UNR's success as of late. You know, they had that one and four skid, and I followed it now with back-to-back wins against ranked opponents. Really impressive feat, but where does it put UNR both in March Mad or both in March Madness, but more importantly, right now, the Mountain West. So, in the Mountain West, UNR currently is sixth with a conference record of six and four. Uh, yeah, six and four. That may sound scary. I know you hear, oh my God, they're sixth in the conference. You know, it's horrible. It's terrible. It's over. What are we going to do? And I admit to you, yeah, it doesn't sound the best. I mean, being sixth definitely is not where you want to be at this point in the season. But the reason why there isn't a need to worry is because of how dang close this Mountain West Conference is right now. I mean, yes, Nevada is 6-4, and four, but there are one, two, three. There are four teams ahead of them right now by half a game, all tied for second at 7-4. and four. And that's Colorado State, who 
UNR, as it stands, has a tiebreaker over in that matchup that UNR won earlier in the year. And then New Mexico, who UNR will obviously play again here on Tuesday night. So you beat them. That's a team you can directly jump. San Diego State's also at 7-4. and four. UNR just beat them to split. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll, we'll need another loss or two maybe from San Diego State. Then Boise State, who also beat us earlier in the year, is a half game ahead at 7-4. and four, But we are yet to play them for our second matchup. So, yes, we are in sixth place, and we do have some ground to make up. But it's by no means insurmountable. And even Utah State, who's first in the conference, they're they're only at eight and three. So UNR's, as it stands, only a game and a half behind them. And UNR did already beat Utah State. So not only are we close to them in terms of games back, but we've shown that we can beat them. So they're by no means some scary boogeyman-type team that's going to run away with the Mountain West. But, yeah, looking ahead to the rest of the year or these next few games, more specifically for UNR, we obviously have this game Tuesday night against New Mexico. Going to be a big one. UNR needs to get revenge here. Can't let New Mexico sweep you here. That A loss there definitely makes taking this Mountain West a bit more difficult. But do you think got a matchup at UNLV? Definitely going to be a tough game. We've yet we've yet to play them once. A bit weird that we haven't played them already at least once. Schedule makers, I guess, want this to be a, a real late-season matchup or late series, I guess, because we, we still have to play them twice. Yeah, so UNLV will be following the New Mexico game at UNLV. Definitely going to be a tough game. Both teams hate each other. Then we're back at home versus Wyoming, and then at San Jose, and then at Colorado State. So definitely not an easy slate of games by any means. I mean, on the other end, it's nothing that this UNR team can't handle, or at least shouldn't be able to handle. But Going from New Mexico to at UNLV, it's definitely a tough two stretch of games. New Mexico is just one of the top teams in the conference, so beating them in any aspect, even at home, is going to be difficult and require a lot. And then to get up and then go to Vegas and have to play a direct rival in UNLV, a team who's right on your tail in the conference standings as well. That that can definitely prove for tough two games for this UNR team. The bright side is it does, or at least it should lighten up a little bit with two games against Wyoming and San Jose State. Wyoming did get the better of UNR back during that 1-4 skid, but this should hopefully be a different UNR team by that point in games against Wyoming and San Jose State should, in theory, be two wins. And then, you know, Colorado State and Fresno State. Colorado State's a good quality team. Going to be difficult to beat them twice. And Fresno State, nothing really to write home about for them. One of the bottom-tier teams in the Mountain West. Definitely a chippy team that can stay in games and grind you down defensively, but 
nothing I'm too worried about. But overall, the point of all this is to say that UNR is definitely not out of it in the Mountain West. Like I said, we're currently sixth. There is ground to make up. It's not going to be easy by any means, but it's definitely not some impossible, insurmountable task. Nevada's not only in position to do it in terms of how many games back they are, but they have this slate of games to get that done. I'm not saying they're going to win out the rest of the year. That's definitely impractical to assume that UNR is going to play perfect basketball and win out the rest of this year in conference. I'm not I'm not going to be an unrealistic homer fan here, but they still have a chance to finish really strong. And if they can do that, who knows where they can find themselves in the Mountain West. And come Mountain West tournament time, they'll hopefully have the swagger and energy to know that they can go toe-to-toe with any team in this conference. And that should already be proven in their minds. I know not every game has gone their way, but they should already be kind of adopting that mindset that they can walk out or go toe-to-toe with any team in the Mountain West and walk out with a victory. So we've gone over where UNR stands in the Mountain West. Not great, but not horrible either. Definitely still a chance, but obviously the main tournament that we all really care about is a tournament that occurs in March, March Madness. Where the heck is UNR standing in all that? Well, unfortunately, it's still not looking very great. Still not looking very, very great in that regard. As it currently stands, according to ESPN's Bracketology, which is what I've been using for all this, UNR is currently sitting as one of the first four teams out. Not one of the first four teams in, one of the first four teams out, which basically means that you are as close as you possibly could be to getting picked, but didn't get picked. It was just kind of like a, hey, we still want to say your name, but just to tell you that you didn't actually make it. And really right now that 1-4 stretch definitely holding them back a little bit. I think a lot of the voters and people deciding this have seen that stretch and are still a little put off by it. And, you know, you can't really blame them for it. Definitely doesn't look the greatest, especially right now. But you keep winning, you can put that behind you. But the other big thing that I think is kind of holding them back is the fact that UNR are kind of home warriors, so to speak, or home court warriors. And that's something that's usually not held in the highest regard by those in the selection committee. And it's simply because... Yeah, if you're great at home and can win every game at home, but you can't play good at all on the road, then it's like, well, why would the selection committee want you there? Because as we all know, you're not playing home games when you're in the March Madness tournament. You know, you're selected into your bracket and you play your games in whatever city that bracket is being held in. So you don't really have that full home. You don't really have that full home court advantage that you normally do at a home game. And so if you can't prove that you can consistently win away from home, it's kind of a tricky thing for the selection committee to want to let you in. Also not doing them really any favors is the fact that they were one of the last four teams in last year. Yeah, 
they were one of the last four teams in last year, and it did not go very well. If anyone remembers, it was a game against Arizona State. It frankly sucked in every single way. I didn't even want to pull up the score to say what it was because I just remember it was so bad and terrible, and I frankly had no desire to relive that. It was a terrible game, and I'm sure is still in the minds of a lot of the people on that selection committee as well. We let you in last year, and you got absolutely dogged. But all of this isn't to say that we should all lose hope. I know I'm sounding very gloom right now and making it sound like there's absolutely no chance UNR can make it. But that's not the case. I mean, winning two straight games against ranked opponents definitely has to get you some attention from these guys. I mean, they have to be, they have to at least be on a little bit of notice now. And if you win against another really quality opponent in New Mexico, there's no way that even in the Mountain West you can simply ignore that. But to take a bit of a deeper dive at UNR's odds, let's take a look at the teams who are currently slated to be the last four in. And we'll start first with Mississippi State. As a quick reminder, UNR is currently 19 and 5 with a very impressive 5 and 2 record against quality or against quad 1 teams, but are only 0 and 2 in quad or against quad 2 opponents. So back to Mississippi State, they are currently 16 and 8 overall with a 3 and 6 record in quad 1 games, but they're also 2 and 0 in those quad 2 games which could definitely be playing a factor in them having the slight edge over UNR. But really, that 3-6 and six record against, quali- against quad one opponents, to me, should outweigh the fact that you're 2-0 and against, or excuse me, 3-0 and against quad two teams. I mean, they have losses to Ole Miss, Alabama, and that was a bad loss to Alabama, almost 30, almost 30 points. Also losses to South Carolina, Alabama again, and then another, or, and then a bad loss to Kentucky. And then, yeah, the quad two wins against North Texas, Rutgers, Northwestern. Those are all games that Mississippi State, I feel like, should be winning. And so, honestly, I mean, yeah, I think UNR's resume – already currently stacks up better than Mississippi State's. I know Mississippi State, obviously, they're in the SEC, higher level of play there. But when you're looking at the quad one schedules here, I mean, you got three and six versus five and two. I know the quad twos are drastically different, and I guess maybe that's playing a factor along with the fact that Mississippi State is in the SEC, but that's definitely a team that I think UNR can jump. Next up, Washington State. They're 18-6, and six, and they have a pretty impressive slate of quad one and two games. Uh, they've gone four and three against their quad one opponents and four and two against their quad two opponents. And really, this Washington State team has just been good really all year. They have a really solid resume. Yeah, they have some losses, but they're playing in a really competitive Pac-12 and most of those losses are against, you know, good teams. And so I expect this Washington State team to be around come March time. And I think this is 
this will be a bit of a tougher one for Wash for UNR to overcome. I just think Washington State is in the better conference and overall will have a bit of a stronger resume. A third up on the list, Satan Hall. And this is a very intriguing inclusion to me. This was definitely one that I, after looking kind of at the resume, did not expect to be there. I mean, even if you don't want to say UNR should be in over them, it seemed like there were plenty of other teams that also could be deserving of this spot. I mean, they're currently 76th on the NCAA net rankings. And really, like I said, just don't boast an impressive resume. I mean, they're 4-5 and five against quad one teams. It's kind of meh. And even worse, against their quali- against their quad two opponents, they're 1-2. and two. So they just haven't really shown the ability to hold, I mean, to dominate comp- their competition at any level. I mean, even in these quad two games, they would expect Satan Hall to be winning and kind of controlling just seems like they're not and so it definitely seems a bit surprising that they're not only ahead of UNR but just a part of this four team in general and so Satan Hall is definitely a team that I think UNR could easily overtake especially if they end up finishing the year strong and last but certainly certainly not least is Cincinnati now Cincinnati is a really weird one this is a really weird inclusion now they have a record of two and six against quad one teams and you may look at that or see that and be like what the heck are they even doing on this list they shouldn't even be one of the first four in they probably shouldn't even be the last four out like what are we talking about here but looking just at the record would be doing this cincinnati team a huge disservice i mean they are adjusting to a absolutely vicious big 12 probably the best conference in college basketball. And they have been pretty much neck and neck and in every single loss against these quad one teams, with the exception of a bad loss to Dayton early in the year. I mean, they have shown an ability to compete with some of the top teams in the conference and just overall in the country. I mean, they have close losses to teams like Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas, Houston, I mean, all these losses are like four-point loss, six-point loss, five-point loss, three-point loss. And so that they're clearly in like every single one of these games, and they've proven time and time again that they can easily hang with top teams in the country. And I think that's something that the selection committee recognizes and notices and ultimately will reward, even if the Bearcats don't finish with the greatest record in the world. The Big 12 is just so dang good that if you can even just show that you can hold your own, you very likely might end up with a spot in March Madness. And so Cincinnati is one of the teams that I think it'll be difficult for UNR to overtake. Because, I mean, Cincinnati's resume is just going to be so much stronger than UNR's, even if... Their overall record is worse. It's just being in that Big 12 grants you already such a big bonus if you can even just be competent and show that you can hold your own. And that is definitely something Cincinnati has done. So, yeah, all this is to say that UNR definitely still has a chance. It's not all gloom, doom, and unhappiness and sadness in the world. 
UNR still has a chance to control their destiny and end up with a spot in March Madness. They get a win here against New Mexico in a big revenge game. That's another quality win for UNR and continues to build their resume that has slowly started to become stronger as this year has gone on. They can do that and then kind of handle business against the teams that they should be handling business against, you know, UNLV, Fresno, Wyoming. They can handle business like they're supposed to on top of these bigger wins. They definitely could see themselves jumping a team like, you know, Satan Hall, like I said, or even Mississippi State, who doesn't seem to have the greatest resume backing them currently. But overall, I still think the avenue for success for this UNR team to get to March Madness is to win the Mountain West. And also just give these fans a Mountain West title. We all want it. We've been waiting for it. We have a team that can do it. The Mountain West is incredibly good and deep, and so it's not going to be easy. But it certainly is possible. And I think at this point, us as fans, we're kind of at the point we're expecting a Mountain West title because it's like this team has has all the tools to put it together. We have the guys. We have the players. We have the coach. We have the support of the fans behind them to go out there and win a Mountain West title. And you do that, and all of a sudden, you don't have to question anymore if you're getting into March Madness. You get your guaranteed spot, and nobody has to question anything. And it would just it would just be so cool. I think we all want to see it, and us fans deserve it too. We've been waiting, and this team definitely can get it done. They just got some work to do, but I'm confident in them. So, yeah, as it stands right now, it's not perfect. But, I mean, when the heck is it ever perfect in college basketball? The sport's imperfect, but that's why we all love it. The important thing is there is still time for this Wolfpack team to pull it all together and finish out this year strong, which they've seemingly started to do already, which we love to see. But just keep on winning, and the questions will answer themselves naturally, and good things will happen. I have faith in our guys, and I'm thinking a lot of us fans at home also do as well. But that's about all the time that we have for today. Thank you all, as always, for taking the time to listen to me. This, again, has been Jack Saban taking you into the Wolf's Den. Make sure to subscribe to the Reynolds Hotbox for more Wolf Den additions and other campus student news. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at the Reynolds Sandbox, and as always, Go Pack!